Good morning once again, West Liberty. It's May 3rd, 2020. We're into over 40 days of the self-quarantine, not getting into large groups, doing what we've been asked to do or not to do. And we wanna continue that until we're allowed to work together once again. We're talking about finding that peace that surpasses all understanding. And I think we figured out it all is through Jesus that we have a peace, even during these times where we can have a peace and be unified, even though we're separated. If you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11 is where we want to be this morning. And Paul is saying in these verses that he hopes that we might share in Jesus's suffering. And when you really think about it, who in their right mind wants to suffer for our faith? I mean, a lot of times when we think about it, we want to do what we're doing now, having to stay home and not being able to go out to eat, not being able to go to church, not being able to get with large groups of family and friends. So we're frustrated at the least. And a lot of people may even think we're being persecuted and we're really not. Uh, it's just something that we have to go through. We will survive this. We will get through this. We all will be back together once again. But catch what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. Start with verse 7, actually. Paul says this, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings because like him in his death and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Again, we're trying to find peace during a time that we may think it'll never come that this will never be over. We'll never be back to church or we'll never be able to do what we want to do. And many are showing that they just can't take it any longer. And like you, I truly believe, I can't wait till we get back together to worship together. I can't wait till we can do what we want to do once again. I can't wait even for sports to start back up so we can have those things to entertain ourselves. But I also am ready to get back to worship where a Facebook video is the only way we have to do worship now together, uh, I want to get back to church and the way we've done church, worshiping together, maybe differently now. I can also say I'm getting used to blue jeans and untucked shirts uh, to preach in. Uh, but even during that time, uh, that'll change even. But I cannot wait until we can fellowship again. So the question is, how can we find joy during all of this? How can we find this peace that surpasses all understanding? And there's a lot of people that we can read throughout history that have suffered for their faith. And we have learned that it's all done through Jesus. Suffering for our faith. Paul tells us that because of Christ, he says, I have suffered the loss of all things. But even through all of that, he can still say this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. Even though Paul has lost all this, he can still say a positive thing about knowing Christ. When we think about it, I mean, that really doesn't make sense. I mean, who wants to really suffer for our faith as a believer? Yet this is what Paul seems to be suggesting to us this morning. 
Maybe because that's because the Bible tells us over and over and over again, and we've talked about this, that we are going to suffer at times. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Even Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 3, 4, For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. Maybe what we're experiencing even today. Peter talks about it in 1 Peter 3, 15 through 17. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Matthew 5, 10 through 12, the Beatitudes says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It says that we will be persecuted, but we will be rewarded also. We read about the church of Antioch in the New Testament. Antioch is one of the third biggest cities in the Roman Empire. And this early church is believed to have met in a cave, actually. And in this cave, when you read about it, it had several entrances to get in, but it also had several escape tunnels. Why? Because it was a persecuted church. Can you imagine having to go to a church or going to a church that had doors to get in and doors to get out, but also if it was attacked, you had escape tunnels? That's a church of persecution. And I want you to understand even, we live in an increasingly hostile world against Christians, against the church, against what we believe. Because we preach on topics people don't want to hear about. Those topics like, you're living wrong, or maybe we need to change what we're doing in our life. And people even get bent out of shape when we say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. You see, we are going to catch flack in this life because of Jesus and because of who he is. In John 15, 20, Jesus said this, the servant is no greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Even people today get bent out of shape about our faith. And why is that? Why do people get so upset because we have faith, because we believe in God? Why does that happen? We'll understand what we believe and why we believe it. You see, we believe Jesus is God. We believe that Jesus alone brings salvation. We also believe all other forms of gods and forms of morality are nothing. So do what you want. And I guess that's what I'm encouraging us. If we have a true faith in Jesus, if we have a true idea of what Jesus has done for us in our life, and we believe that, speak his name aloud. I mean, you can shout it, you can whisper it, you can write it wherever you want, whenever you want, because the name of Jesus is not hate, it is hope. I mean, think about that. I know people in the world today is going to tell us that our faith is a hate speech because we go against what the world wants to believe. But please understand, the name of Jesus is not hate, it is hope and it is love. Now, here's the deal. When faced with opposition to our faith, lots of folk tend to just lock themselves away. So in other words, when they have some opposition, somebody comes against them, they back off. They don't want to say anything. In fact, a lot of times they'll just lock themselves in their little prayer closet or they hide God between the pages of their Bibles so they don't have to confront these things. But you see, so many times people don't mind talking about Jesus in church. But don't ask me to talk about him downtown at the coffee shop. 
thank you very much, but no, I'm not going to do that. You see, why is it we can love a sports team and we can talk about this sports team whenever we want, wherever we want, win or lose, and nobody has a problem. No one says anything. And we can talk about our grandkids. It's the same way, other than sometimes people get annoyed at all of our pictures and all of our stories. But if I say I love Jesus, and then I run into people who doesn't like that or they're offended, why do we shut Jesus away? Why do we keep him in the pages of our Bible? Why do we not take a stand for our faith? I mean, go back to what Paul says in Philippians 3.8. I mean, Paul says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. What is he talking about here? When Paul says, I've suffered the loss of all things, what does he mean? Well, one time, remember, Paul was a very important man. He was an Israelite. It says, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, man, he was blameless. You see, in Paul's day, before Paul knew Jesus, he was an up-and-coming leader in this religious world. When he talked, people listened. People invited him to parties. They patted him on the back. They told him how wonderful he was in everything that he did. But once Paul started following Jesus, all that changed. All that's gone. Old friends didn't want him around anymore. You can forget the parties. You can forget the praise that was put on him because everybody knows that he, Paul, is a Christian now. And when you take Christ seriously and we live Christ daily, people won't want you around because they know you're not going to participate in their activities. That's what Paul wrote in 1 Peter 4, 4, or what Peter wrote. Peter says they, speaking of non-Christians, think it strange that you do not run with them and they heap abuse upon you. In other words, it's going to happen. And when it does, don't be surprised. Don't be alarmed. Now, Paul's words are very pointed in verses 8 and 9. Listen to what he says. He says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. But he doesn't stop there. He continues. He says that I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. In other words, Paul is saying, I don't care if you like me or not. Paul says, I'd rather have Jesus love me than you like me. In fact, I'd rather have Jesus than, more than anything that you could possibly offer me, period. And that's a statement from a man who loves Jesus. And the question we have to ask ourselves this morning is this. Do you love Jesus that much? I mean, do we? Do you love him so much that you wouldn't take anything in exchange for him? Do we love him more than our job? Do we love him more than our family and our friends? Do we love him more than being well spoken of? Do you love him enough to make him the most important thing in your life? If you don't, I think that's where we need to have some serious times of soul searching. Now get back to Philippians 3. Paul wrote that he hoped that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. Again, 
why on earth would we want to share in Christ's sufferings? I mean, we don't want to suffer. I mean, personally, I would rather sit in my lazy boy, watching sports, drinking my diet Pepsi. I want to enjoy life. I, want, I don't want to face opposition. So why would Paul say he hoped to share in Christ's suffering? Why would someone want that? Well, like Paul, I believe, Paul understood the pain was worth the price. All the pain of rejection was worth the criticism and being rejected. Because Jesus promised greater glory to those who are willing to suffer for their faith. We mentioned Matthew 5, 10 through 12, where we said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It goes on to say this. He said, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Catch what it says. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I mean, did you catch it? If we're persecuted for righteousness sake, ours is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, if we're truly persecuted for righteousness, ours is the kingdom of heaven. Essentially, God is telling us that every time we face rejection from this world, when we're facing this persecution, that God is literally up in heaven nudging St. Michael saying, did you see that? Watch what he or she does. You see, when we do this, our name is spoken in heaven when we stand for righteousness and we stand for Jesus. How awesome is that? That our name is spoken when we take a stand. You see, God notices what you endure and he has every intention of rewarding us for what we go through. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we said there's blessings for being part of the family of God, and this is it. But we also have to be careful that we're not annoying, that we're not obnoxious just to get a rise out of people, just to be picked on. You see, we have to watch those people who do this intentionally that are obnoxious and they take pride in it. See, I think what they're trying to do is anger us, anger Christians to get a reaction out of us so they seem more righteous than us. And I want you to understand that doesn't impress God. That doesn't do anything for us, for them, or for the kingdom. But catch what Peter writes in 1 Peter 3, 15 through 17. I mean, Peter simply says, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Peter says, always being prepared to make a difference to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. But what I want you to see is this. There are rewards to be had for enduring persecution. You see, maybe it's during those times of persecution. Maybe it's during those times that people are picking on us and saying things about us that is actually good for us. Someone came up with these three reasons that I just simply want to share. The first one is this. Some of my best stories come from the times I face the most intense opposition. 
I mean, it's during those times that even I can remember where I've had that opposition where people rallied around and I even became stronger, maybe not at that point in time, but later because of that opposition. You see, I've not always been clever or powerful or even the hero in the midst of those difficulties. But that doesn't mean that I didn't become better and stronger after it. But every time I knuckled down and every time I was determined not to back off, not to stop what I've, I've been doing. I mean, I can tell you stories where I was the hero. I mean, those times are fun. They're cool. I can tell you those times where God showed up in a powerful way. But see, that's not always what happens. Those times are good. Those times are great. But we also have to face the times of opposition. Joyce Locke said this. Today's difficulties are tomorrow's testimonies. You see, if we have victory over today's difficulties, tomorrow we can share them. The second one is this. He says, in times of tribulation that God seems closest to us. You see, there are times during that opposition, time during that persecution, those times where we don't sense that peace that surpasses all understanding, where someone said, sometimes God allows us to be knocked down so all we can do is look up. I mean, think about it. Maybe it's during those times we don't have the strength or we don't think we have the strength to get up for another day. That we don't have the strength to do what God has asked us to do. That we are flat on our back. Well, when you're flat on your back, the only thing you can do is open your eyes and look up. The third one is this. And sometimes God allows us to face difficulties so that we can be stronger in faith. You see, the main purpose and the main promise is that God is so impressed when we take a stand, when we get through that opposition. God is so impressed when we're willing to stand up for our faith that he is willing to reward us for that. You see, and sometimes the most powerful reward is when we've paid the ultimate price. You see, it comes down to this. It's when we know who's in charge. It's when we know who it is we believe in. And it's when we're willing to take a stand for our faith. You see, it's there that we will begin to sense that peace that surpasses all understanding. Even during times of persecution, times of opposition, even when people aren't speaking well of us, that we can take a stand for Jesus and we can endure even in those times. And folks, we endure even in times like this when we can't gather, we stand united even though we're separated. You see, if God is for us, who can be against us? And the simple answer is absolutely no one. Folks, until we can meet again, take care and God bless.